Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage and welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castron. Hey, Bub. Hi, Dan. How are you? Why are you talking like that? I don't know. Why are you standing? Is this a power move? It's not a power move. Just kind of feel like standing right now. Is it because the garage is hot and your butt's a little sweaty? Maybe. You got a sweaty butt. Sweaty I bet butt. it smells good right now. <laughs> Gross. It definitely I doesn't. I bet your butt smells good. That's a terrible way to start this episode. I uh, just kind of feel like standing. Don't stand a lot. Sit around all day. Sit at a computer. Yes. Ascension a person by nature. You yeah. know, the office life and all. A lot of sitting there staring at my laptop. So I'm just jerking. S- well, no. I mean, not. not all right. I'm going to give you an over and under. Okay. Yeah. But you have to be honest. And it's fine because there's only like 14 people listening. Correct. Okay. You ready? I don't know. Over under office jerks, two and a half. This week or in my life? In your life. Lifetime. Um, I'm taking the under to the point of zero. I've never jerked off in the office. I'm not going to ask you. I think we already know the answer based on the two and a half number that you threw out my way. But I've never done not it. Not necessarily indicative of my situation, but don't ask. Not going to ask. Don't ask. Not necessary because I asked you. That's what this was about. I've um, I've screwed in the office. You screwed. Did screw in the office. Ow! Yep. MTV offices back in the day. Really? It was the way to go. It's had those like big buildings right there in the middle of Times Square. That's nice. Yeah. I I had office relations. Okay. A couple times a month. Two different times. Okay. Very nice. Very fun. Was Mark Sessler gentle? <laughs> how, how could he not be gentle? <laughs> how can Mark not be gentle? Uh, this no. is the throwback podcast uh, where we take albums uh, from our past, Bob, our collective past. As uh, Bob and I go way back. Oh, gross. decades. And um, and we take these albums and we sometimes we're still active fans of the album. And it's just a, a celebration, as will be the case today, I think, on some level. Sometimes it's an album that we haven't heard in a long time and we're rediscovering it, reinterpreting it. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. The show, Bob. I think it's a good podcast. You? I think it's a solid B minus to A minus podcast. That's a pretty big zone there. With <laughs> a couple C minuses thrown in. Takes all of the Bs. Like if you listen to the Wallflowers episode, for instance. Ooh, you know, not, a, you not our best work. Maybe the Gentleman's F, the D minus there. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, anyway, so don't listen to the Wallflowers podcast, but listen to this one. Do not turn it off. We're going to be talking about the Strokes. Uh, this is the second time. They, they're the two-timer club. They are. Who's, who else is in the two-timer club for the Throwback Podcast? Weezer is in the two-timers club. Correct. We did um, Pinkerton with Jake and Amir from HeadGum. Mm. We did the Blue Album with John Gabris. Right. Oasis is in the two-timer club. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is hallowed ground. Yes. And Oasis we did solo, just the two of us both times. Right. Including um, the uh, premiere episode yes. of this very so, podcast. Be here now. So check that out. And now the strokes enter the club. So that is, the, that is some club to be in Bob. And we're going to talk room on fire. We already talked their debut album. Is this it? Uh, so this was the follow up that, uh, maybe didn't have the impact they thought it should have had, or the mm-hmm. record label, I imagine yep. thought it would have, but for hardcore strokes fans, I think a lot of fans kind of view, is this it in Room on Fire is 1A and 1B in the Strokes canon. Totally. And I think there are going to be people that come at us like, oh, the Strokes are, you got, they got two episodes and you still haven't done, you know, one Metallica or whatever. going to do that? Some idiot. If you listen to our podcast, <laughs> you are not pounding the table for Master <laughs> of Puppets. <laughs> what are you doing? You haven't even touched on Tool yet. It's like, all right, it's not happening. No, the, what is the, no, it's like, when are you going to do, uh, uh, what are you going to do? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers. What are you gonna do? It's like, I don't know. We're going to do Eventually, it. Eventually, we're yeah. going to do it. Just just give us time. Very, All we got is time. Very little forethought is put into what episodes we do when we do them. Um, so, yes, today is Room on Fire. And I know, Bob, that this album was released in the early aughts. And it's actually one of those albums where, uh, as a 
avid sports fan with a weird memory for years and times. Mm -hmm. I connected to a Yankee playoff run. Of course. uh, Prior to the Aaron Boone Red Sox game. So I know it was the October 2003 release. On the nose. Yes. Yep. Got that. You got it. Of course. And uh, I mean, we'll talk about it later. I had it a few months before that because I was connected, whatever. But um, (laughs) October 28th, 2003 is when the album came out. And it was a very big month in the world, Dan. Okay. Would you like to know what happened in October 2003? Well, like about two weeks after this, my college girlfriend broke up with me. So that was, you know, that, that was a tough You know thing, what? Not but, on my uh, list because that happened in November. Yeah. That was but tough. when we do a November 03 yeah. album, we will get so into that. Maybe we'll call her again. Yeah, maybe. That'll be good. Okay. Um, but enough. She changed to- her number and, and uh, there's a... <laughs> Season to season. Yeah, there, there's a reason scenario. you're on this side of the Rockies and she's on the other side. <laughs> exactly. There was a big, big distance that had to be attained. It's, there's a there's a 2,700 mile restraining <laughs> order barrier, which you, is almost unheard of in you, the legal system. You so. really have to earn that restraining. I'm kind of proud order. of it. Yeah, I'm you deserve it. it. Um, well, on October 3rd, it would have helped if uh, Roy Horn had a Uh-oh. restraining order against that damn tiger. <laughs> oh damn! He got attacked. <laughs> Damn, that's some fucking fierce segue, Bob. That's a, <laughs> that's a, a really hardcore segue. Yeah. Uh, Siegfried and Siegfried Roy. Siegfried and Roy. And Roy was Siegfried's bottom, right? Yes, I think so. Um, and then... <laughs> I mean, it's speculative, but yeah. And they were doing a show, and I remember this because that um, ex-girlfriend, I was at her house at the time, and I read about it, and I was like, holy shit, that was a huge story. The tiger... Dragged him off stage. It was and awesome. What was she- Whoa, what is this? I'm work- starting to work in more um, sound effects on the podcast. I'm, I'm noticing. This I mean, I'm noticing tiger, you're doing uh, that. Growl. Okay. Does that not sound good? No, I guess it sounds okay. All right, don't don't get distracted. Just let it just let it play out. What it's were you a really saying? really long one. Um. I was going to ask you what your girlfriend was doing while you were reading this. Like, was she, was she getting ready to go out for like a fun night or were you guys just kind of like in, like mm. on the couch together? Like well, probably just snuggling up, maybe Bridget Jones diary and some popcorn. Right. Right. Maybe a, glass, a bottle of wine, just, you know, the kind of stuff that we did all the time. And then you're reading about Siegfried and Roy. Maybe that's why it ended. Maybe you should have been paying more attention to her. <laughs> anyway, uh, he survived, but he was fucked up forever. Fucked up forever. That, and effectively ended the show. It was the Mirage. as I Yes. Recall. Four days later. Uh, the Ameri- Siegfried got attacked <laughs> by a wild monkey, a howling. Do you monkey. remember the name of the tiger? Oh, it was a. Oh, that's a great uh, useless trivia. It's knowledge. not in front of me, but I think I remember it. Uh, what was it? Montecor. Yes, it yes. was Montecor. I think it was somebody's fantasy team name. <laughs> um, four days later, California elected Arnold Schwarzenegger as their governor. How about that, he beat out like a porn star, right? Beat out and like Gary Coleman, right? A whole bunch of people. We weren't. Yeah, we. Had visited California the year uh, this all happened, and I remember Schwarzenegger is a lot of pop leading into mm-hmm. him getting elected, but one of those like only in California scenarios. Yeah, yeah. A but week- then Donald Trump got elected as president. So I guess not. Like, I guess it's not only in California. Later, so. yeah. yeah. A week after that, Steve Bartman. Oh, the Steve Bartman game. Of course, of course. Man. And he was um, one of my favorite thirty for thirty. It's a great one. Um, on Cat- catching hell, right? Yes, um, which details the, the the entire night and how Cubs fans talk about the curse of the the Billy Goat and all that bullshit before they finally won a couple years ago. Like their treatment of Bartman, they ruined this dude's life. Was beyond fucked, and they don't get enough shit for it. But uh, if that would have happened in Philly, we would have never stopped talking about it. Yeah, and I'm I'm just and I'm, I find the guy kind of fascinating because when they win the World Series and. And everyone is now forgiving everyone, and it's a, a beautiful mm-hmm. communal time in Chicago. They invite him to have his own parade float, and he's like, nah. Good. He released a statement. He was like, I'm so happy, but I just want to I want to stay out of the way. I was like, that would have been fucking badass if Steve Bartman like, threw out the first pitch at opening day the following year. But he never wanted no, any of that shit, which kind of helped make it even more sad that he it, got tied up. It would be it. like, and this isn't like maybe the perfect parallel, but it would be like if your ex-girlfriend was like, come back after all the kind of hurt that you've experienced, come back to me. Right. To, you know, just we're going to do a parade and you could have your own float. And you're just kind of like, do I really want to put myself through that after 
the way she tore my heart out and just stomped on it. Yeah. yeah. What else, Bob? A week after Steve Bartman, um, Fred Rerun Berry died. Oh. Yeah. We did. We used to do pub crawls in our um, hometown. I can't believe we've never talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, Bob and I would organize them. Uh, Thanksgiving Eve. The night before Thanksgiving, and we get all our high school friends, and we'd pair everybody off into teams. It was a remarkable, depressing amount of planning in retrospect. Not depressing. I'm actually more proud of this than anything else I did in I mean, my we 20s. Took it, all right. Maybe not depressing, but we took it very seriously. Well, because we had to, because it, it all started from such a great place. It all started from the fact that the night before Thanksgiving, when you go out, you run into, at least in our town, you would run into everybody from your high school. Right. And if you went it was to like essentially a reunion, yeah. And if you didn't have a plan, if you went to one bar, you could get end up getting trapped in one of these conversations where it's just like kind of genius. Your whole night yeah. is spent talking to this one guy that you had three classes with, and it's like, hey, Tonka Fry, <laughs> fucking leave me alone. We were never friends. Tonka was never at those bars, but you're right. There was a guy named Tonka. Um, so we were like, what if we do a pub crawl? So that way we have to leave the bar. So that Gotta way, go. if, if you're stuck in a conversation, you have to go. So we turned it into there was a, a flip side to that, of course, a competitive. Right. If you're having a good time, you yeah. still had to go. Right. But we turned it into a competitive pub crawl where there were teams mm. of two. Um, every drink was worth a certain amount of points. I think beers were worth one. Mixed drinks were worth three. Shots were worth five. Right. Irish car bombs were worth like seven or something. Right. And um, you and your teammate, you had to keep track honor system. And we would hit like our small Irish town, of course, since you and your people boatload of drunks well there yeah the, the people are afflicted we had so many bars in this little town that i think we were able to hit like 11 bars in a night we did a very we did a great job with it i think it was one of our great achievements because we ended up getting i think by we did four or five of them by the end we had you know like 18 people involved with it and oh, at least uh, yeah and we had our friend Greg who cheated. Yeah, Greg regularly. cheated one year. That is very, you know, we still never forgive him. Oh, but we left out the part yeah. that every year we dedicated the pub crawl to a dead celebrity. Every year. Every year. Yeah. So the first one, I believe, was the Lisa Lefty Lopez Memorial Pub Crawl. Um, I won that one. Yep. Then there with uh, Chrissy. Then yep. there because it was uh, co-ed teams, of course. Then the Fred Rerun Barry Pub Crawl. Yep. Back-to-back champions, me and Chrissy. Yes, I believe I finished very close behind in that one. Then after that, I can't remember, was it ODB? It was ODB because Christine and I took that one home. Yes. Yes. Then the following year, I want to say it was the Pat Morita pub crawl. Morita was in the mix. Uh, that yeah. was the one Greg cheated on, I think. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, good times. Things that you do in your early 20s that you don't do anymore because you have kids. What were we talking and about? you're boring. Who died? Oh, Rerun. Yeah. Fred Rerun. He died. Barry died. And he was not. Uh, maybe uh, everybody's like, oh, hey, hey, hey. Not Rerun. Rerun no. was like. Hey, everybody, I have an eating issue. It's definitely my okay. favorite like, um, 70s sitcom theme song. Yeah, it was great. All right, what else? Uh, week after that, Rod Roddy made his final appearance as the announcer on The Price is Right on CBS. And here's something I didn't know. What? Died a week later. Really? Yeah. Like he was done. Done. It's like when a when like a parakeet dies, and then a few days later the other parakeet dies. It was like that. Only he was alone. Yeah, he, he left was his show. Alone. His show was the other parakeet. And when he died, this song started playing. <laughs> All right, what else, bud? And God was like, no, no, this goes to the other guy. Um, turn it off. I'm stealing your cord. Okay. Movies. Bunch of movies that came out that month. You know, because movies come out every month. Every literally. It's one of those things you can count on. Literally every month movies come out. Um, Lost in Translation. Great, great flick. Saw it in the theater with our friend Howie. Hated it. You did? Yeah, hated it in the theater. Respect it I now. didn't see it for years and years, and then I saw it, and I was in love with it immediately. Yeah, I respect it now. Um, School of Rock. Okay, everybody can calm down a little bit with School of Rock. The first Kill Bill. Great. And this award-winning movie. I got it!
shit. It keeps going. <laughs> of course, Sean Penn in Mystic River. Is that my daughter? Is that my daughter in there? We uh, two. I have two tidbits about that. Of book. course, that was the movie um, that I saw with my college girlfriend the night before she broke up with me. No way, really. True story. Um, so you know, a little conflicted there. And then um, <laughs> when we used to uh, make, you know, about. I would say every six months or so, we would travel up to Boston and mm-hmm. get together with some friends. And we were staying, uh, Bob and I, we drove up and then we were staying at our friend Mac Begley's place in Southie. Yep. And we got in very late. It was like 11 p.m., maybe even close to midnight. And we got to the bars, which closed at two. So we drank fucking hardcore. Took the worst vodka shot of my life. Yes. It almost came back up. And then as we were leaving the bar, it was like 2 a.m., and this is Southie, which was uh, a very working class. I know it's been Hey, have you ever changed. seen a Have you ever seen a Ben Affleck movie? It's Southie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's different than that now. Right. But uh, we were screaming at the top of our lungs walking back to his apartment. Is that my daughter? Is that there? my daughter? We did that all weekend long. It never got old for us. Just drunkenly stumbling around Southie yelling, is that my daughter? And we shouldn't yeah. be proud about that because that is some deviant douchebag behavior but it's i you know what i think it's the uh performance that it was is performative that is for sure. that we're mocking more so than the sentiment that's true yeah here's the number one song bob you ready yeah i'm ready it's my turn shaggy kind of he's early 2000s shaggy oh Sean Paul. yeah did um on an earlier podcast we hit the first single off this album this is beyonce's debut album that's the solo act dangerously in love uh we did crazy in love which is one of the best singles of the yes in fact i think rolling stone just put out their like best songs so far of the 2000s and they put that number one really yeah okay well i mean the beyonce adoration is just well yeah of course but um baby boy was another big hit on that album not one of my favorite Beyonce jams, but I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's fine. It's kind of like I feel like Rihanna, like six years later, would put out songs that were like this, but a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So there you go. That takes us um, uh, to today's album. Oh, my goodness, Bob. It is time to talk about Julian and the Gang. The Strokes. Uh, the opening track on Room on Fire, uh, Whatever Happened, question mark. And it's one of my favorite Stroke songs, I think. Is it really? Yeah, I, mean, I it's, love this song. It's a perfect song. The like structure a, of it is interesting. Like, it's not a normal song. Like, every, and it just sounds great. It sounds like classic Strokes. Uh, just, yeah, I don't know what it is. It is different. Yeah. There's something about it that's different, but it's also it, it, immediately, oh, this is the yeah. Strokes. It's not like they're like a Radiohead putting out Kid A. Uh, and it wasn't a single. In fact, this album, we, last week we did Michael Jackson. He had nine singles on a 14-track album. Only three singles released in Room on Fire. This was not one of them. Uh, but I think it's a great way to like get into the album. They really were awesome at uh, in their first three albums, the first track. Yes. Is This It on Is This It. This song, of course. And then uh, maybe my favorite Stroke song, yeah. period, You Only Live Once yeah. on uh, their third album. But great song. Great song. I love this part right here.
We were obsessed with the Strokes. We were obsessed with the Strokes, and it's so weird that this album wasn't huge. Like that's out of all the things in life that I'll never understand. Um, You're gonna say this is near the top. Nine Eleven. Yeah, well, put it on the board. Um, why you and Liz broke up? Well, you know, it was just one of those things, long distance, and uh, we we're both young, and just like it's all timing. And the popularity of Room on Fire. It's, it that's just, it. That's it. Those that's are the, the three. three. Those of that three. era or that year? Ever. Or just ever. In history. All oh, right, because 9-11 was on 9-11. Uh, it, <laughs> it wasn't was. 9-11-03. <laughs> the much lesser known uh, terrorist attack. Yes. Um, yeah, but really, was Is This It even like a huge like monster hit album. It wasn't. So it was critically adored and it was a hit for the genre and it was an important album. I just don't understand how this album, how the consensus for this album wasn't. And the strokes are continuing their meteoric rise. Instead it was like, huh, they kind of just put out another album. That sounds like the first one, which it does. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. It's so much more, it's a step up. Calm down, Bob. It's a step in the right direction. Bob's and I got don't a huge get boner. It. And by huge, I mean like five and a half inches. No, okay. Like, now now we have to actually fact yeah, check things. It's yeah, maybe six. Is that on Wikipedia? Day. Wait, is that on Wikipedia? Is that, that what you're Wiki, looking at right now? No, I'm looking at your dick right now on Wikipedia. They're never wrong. Which is weird that it's there, but. They'll let you put anything on Wikipedia. Let's play some rock band. Oh my god. to the chorus this definitely might have a place on my strokes mount rushmore it has to i mean it's such an incredible song it's so bad all right let's listen drums I love when you say drums, then the drums come in. Yeah, I did that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so this was the second single released uh, off Room on Fire. It uh, did dog shit in the country of ours. God, I, I hate our country. <laughs> it peaked at number 19 on the modern rock charts, and that's as good as it got. It was actually, though, a top 20 hit in the UK. We honestly live in the worst country. I know, like, oh, America, but you know what? We suck. All right. I, you're getting very emotional, Bob, so far. And maybe it's because you're standing still. I think it I helps. I don't know I think it helps. what's going on there. Um, but, uh, yes, this was not a huge hit. But if you ask any Strokes fan, you're not going to find anyone that doesn't love the song. And I don't imagine, although um, I haven't checked, like, what they play in their set list, that this would ever not be played. Yeah, they have, they have to be playing this. And yes, it was one of the entries in Rock Band in 2008. Yep. And uh, when Bob and I lived together with our buddies Jason and Brian in the hills, and uh, Jason shelled out the necessary coinage to acquire both the Rock Band game, the accompanying uh, video game console, as well as the surround sound speakers, yes. the flat screen TV. Jay was really a vital part of the house. Oh, yeah. And the guitars and drums necessary for Rock Band. Yeah. Uh, we probably played this song. Roughly 400 times. It was a beautiful combination of Jason doing all of that, us moving to California, and all of our significant others being on the other side of the country. Right. So we kind of had that thing where it's like, well, why would we go to a bar right now and you know spend money on booze and whatever? Like, Let's just stay home in this cool right. house in the hills, drink ourselves stupid, and play rock band all night. Right. And that's what we did. Because that was actually being a good boyfriend. Yeah, we were great boyfriends that. by doing that. What great Except that were. one night when um, both... Both of our girlfriends got mugged in New York, and we were oh, right. and we were just like blasted drunk, <laughs> having to like be there for them over the phone, 
And um, you don't understand. It was so <laughs> scary. It's like God. We got to get back to reptilia. <laughs> well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, wrap it up over there. Wrap it up. I mean, are you? Are, have you left the police station yet? <laughs> we almost got a perfect score. We have, the other my favorite. We're uh, three thousand miles away. <laughs> it's like we're barely a relationship right now. Um, my other favorite rock band memory is so it was. Um, I was on vocals and bass. Or I was on vocals, and then you were on lead guitar. Obviously. Jason on drums. Uh, and then we had our friend uh, Circlin, who we called Drugs. Uh, because he did a lot of drugs. Right, you can tie it together. And, and he, also, he provided us drugs. And he was such a bad, bad video game bassist. Because of the drugs, probably. He, yes, he definitely was the reason why we didn't go next level as a band. It's true. Is he? Can we also blame this podcast on him? <laughs> The entirety, like this show or the entire podcast? Entire podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Drugs. Automatic stop. So This is a song that for years would alternate from my least favorite song on the album to my favorite song on the album. Really? Least favorite? That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There were just times I would hear it like, eh, it doesn't do much for me. And then other times where I'm like, this is so damn good. Yeah. I love this chorus. Yeah. The thing that annoyed me about... Um, like rock and music criticism, because I love, I think I've talked about this on this podcast, I love reading reviews. Stephen Thomas Erlozine of uh, allmusic.com. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Love his work. Uh, but one of the things that always annoy me is when, especially a, a younger band that puts out like a really incredible breakthrough debut album. Mm-hmm. Then the second album comes out and they get criticized for it sounding too much like the first album. It's right. like, Fuck face, like what 10 the years fuck from now. Do you want? 10 years from now, when you're like uh, hyping up some bullshit album and calling it a return to form and it sounds like the early stuff, it's like, then you're going to, you're, so you're going to hit us with that bullshit in 10 years. But when the second album comes out, you're not going to give it credit because it sounds too much like a classic album. What the fuck is wrong with yeah. you, music critics? And that's what drove me crazy. Strokes got banged. Pete Yorn got banged on his second album for it sounding too much like the first. And yes. I, I don't think his second album is as good as it's Room on Fire close. is. It's not, or yeah. as Music for the Morning After is. But that was the criticism: was it's too similar. And like, you got to think that that fucks with the artists too. Well, look at like Counting Crows, a band that we've talked about a lot, and we will continue maybe, to talk maybe about them forever. Some, some might say too much. Like they're a band that read too many reviews. Yes. And then on their second album, instead of giving another, giving us another August and everything after, they do a complete flip of the script and you and I both like recovering the satellites but it's like it would have been cool to hear them try to do another August type album right that's life yeah uh, I like this song I kind of it kind of has a little bit of a uh, a little Jamaica man vibe <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that Jamaica man you're appropriating their culture when you do that and I don't respect hey, it's that. the strokes man it's the strokes appropriating uh, so I like automatic stop me too a lot we saw them on this tour uh, at least twice. At least twice. I, think, I don't know if we talked about it on the first Strokes podcast, but uh, we saw Regina Spector, or we didn't see her. No. Couldn't you, get a cab. You couldn't get a fucking cab. It's tough. It's tough getting a cab out in those streets. I had. They were playing at the theater at Madison Square Garden. I had tickets for both nights. And the first night, me and my friends went to a bar to pregame, and then we got like the word like, oh, yeah, the... Uh, Kings of Leon are already on the stage. And we're like, wait, what? So we had to like hop in a cab and get there. And we caught like the very end of the Kings of Leon before the strokes came out. And then the next night I was seeing them with you. You couldn't get a damn cab. Couldn't get a cab. Same exact thing happened. Got in there for the end of the Kings of Leon. No, it was Regina Spector. Did we get, well, no, Spector. Kings of Leon did not open for the strokes on that show. Absolutely they did. It was Spector and the Kings of Leon. 
It was the three of them. Look it up. Setlist.com. Boom, don't boom. What, what do you mean you don't care? You're, I don't care. This is the podcast. You have to care a little bit. Oh, that story. I Wait think it was just Regina Spector. Uh-uh. Spectre came back out when they did that song, Modern uh, Romance. Why don't you come back out? Gets my drift. I don't, I don't get it. Keep going. Yeah. Just timing. Like if, if maybe if, if we dated five years later, everything would be different. It's just like one of those things. Yeah, it's like you're young. You never know. Uh, here's the first single, Bob, on Room on Fire. Of course. 12, 51. our number one resource for all information on this podcast wikipedia a positive review from rolling stone said that the strokes have quote resisted the temptation to hit the brakes grow up and screw around uh, with a sound that doesn't need fixing yet hmm. fuck you guys <laughs> yeah i mean i remember the critic not criticism but i remember the consensus on this was like it's like a cars song like they got the synth like it's good it's it's not gonna wow anybody but it's a good song and that's kind of how i feel about it now it's a fun kind of earworm song and i love that it sounds like a keyboard but it's not a keyboard when we saw it in concert uh but this wouldn't be like in my top 10 but i really do like it as a single yeah it didn't do anything but. no it didn't do anything but i like yeah i like it as a song it's not the best stroke song but it's good and it's i, I like that they led with this on this album Yes, and uh, I kind of didn't realize it until later. Julian Casablancas wrote all these songs, and he was really like the driving engine of the Strokes. I always thought it was more like of a group effort, but he was like the dude behind the behind the whole band. Which is probably why they don't want to ever be in the same room anymore, because he was like such a perfectionist. Like I was just reading something about how he would keep them there for like eighteen hours, just trying to get like one guitar sound right, like. He was an artistic genius, pain in the ass. You know, it would have been great, and it's, you know, it's not going to happen. I don't think. Like, where's our Strokes, you know, fifteenth anniversary of, is this it tour? Where, where? Oh no, no. That's where's the happening. Strokes? You know, the, actually, it would be. Oh God, we're old. The fiftieth anniversary of Room on Fire. Like, where's the one-off show at L.A. at the Roxy or something? Yeah, like, they're not going to do it. Fuck. Yeah. They're not they're not about all. Do that. you remember that realization after the next album when you kind of realize like, oh, they're done. It was over. It was over. And that was so depressing because like we bought we went all in on the strokes. They were the great like last hope of rock because they came out during the new metal scourge and they just seemed like to be the anecdote to everything that you hated about what mm-hmm. was mainstream rock radio. And they looked like a band. They would be like the Cars or right. Tom Petty or just like the, this band that would be around forever. The praise that was being thrown on is this it. It's like, this is the next Velvet Underground. This is the next Tom Petty. And you're like, oh, thank God that we're here on the ground floor. And then after the third album, as like the reports started coming out that they couldn't stand each other and they were all going to go take some time. And you kind of realize like as the years passed, like, oh, they're done. And then you could hear it on the third album. And then it well, wasn't the same band. You could hear anymore. it in the third. And then on angles, you could totally hear then it. Then it was over. Yeah. But yeah, Pete Yorn was the same thing. It was like he was on Columbia Records. He put out this great, he was an introspective singer-songwriter from Jersey. And of course, the Springsteen comparisons rolled out. And you're like, fuck, am I like getting in on this guy? Like the equivalent of getting in on Springsteen when Greetings from Asbury Park came out. And then the second album comes out and like people don't really give a fuck. And then the third album comes out and all of a sudden it's only like you and three of your friends yep. that care. And it's like, oh, nope. that's not going to happen. That's not that. I still enjoy all these artists. Yeah, me too. Clearly we do. We have a whole fucking podcast devoted to shit nobody else cares about. Fucking losers.
Rob Mitchum of Pitchfork gave the album 8 out of 10, but stated that the band, quote, have all but given birth to an identical twin. Oh, so they gave Here's birth to another of the greatest, like the, the greatest album of the aughts. I, oh, horrible. No, so I read this review today. Because I was like actually surprised Pitchfork gave it an Good eight. Good research, bro. I, I didn't mean to. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, it's a very positive. Was this in between jerk sessions at work? Don't jerk at work. Just bang. <laughs> uh, screw. Uh, no, it's a positive review. If you read the Pitchfork review, the guy actually starts out being like, I was one of the assholes that was like, the strokes are the worst thing to happen to music when this, this it came out because they were rich kids and blah, blah, blah. Like all of like the bullshit criticism from the first album. So, but he goes on. But I was wrong. They're really good. This is an incredible album, but it's a carbon copy of the first. Uh, but blah, blah, blah. Like, it was a very positive review. For still that little, like, the negging in there. Like, he's mystery from the game a little bit. A li- maybe a little bit of yeah, negging. Take off but, the fucking guy liner and the top hat, bitch. But I think he realized Rob that Mitchum. the first album was good at the same time he realized the second album was good. Like, I don't think he was being that big of a dick and believe me i would love to shit on a guy from pitchfork but <laughs> i don't think that he was being that big of a dick uh you talk way too much i really do like that song it's a perfect like yeah uh, i love when an album's really great it has songs that are classics within that band's like uh canon and then but the really good albums are just chock full of like great little songs like this that mm-hmm. are never going to be in your top 10 you're like, oh, I love this song. Yeah. You That's play it in funny. concert. You love to hear it. It's two minutes and then on to the next song. Speaking of time, Bob, this album is crazy. It is 33 minutes and five seconds yeah. long. So like I mentioned earlier, oh, I'll, I'll save it. Pump it up. Summer before this album came out, between love and hate, I drove down to Philly and saw them play at the Electric Factory in Philly. That's how much I love the Strokes. I drove to Philly. You were a travel guy. Yeah, I did it, and they played the song. It was the first time I ever heard it, and it was like so exciting to hear a new Strokes song. And I was convinced it was going to be the biggest song ever released in the world. I was like, it's so fucking good. It's it has everything the Strokes do right. And yeah. I still feel that way. I love this song. Well, that's the great thing about the first two albums is that they all are just kind of, they all have these like earworm hooks to them and like fun choruses and they're very like to the point. Everything is between two minutes and three and a half minutes. They were just kind of in a zone. Yeah. It's like Noel Gallagher, 94 to 96 type zone. Yeah. Where Casablanca's was at this point. And you gotta love it. I love it, Bob. I, it reminds me when, so we got, you had access to this album, but you didn't have it as long as you're saying you had access to I got it probably August, September. Somebody gave me a burned copy of it a couple months before it came out. I challenge you on this. Oh. I challenge thee. What? I, I don't know how to. Because I was also now at this point obsessed with the strokes. And I remember listening to it for the first time driving to the game one of the 2003 American League Divisional Playoffs, you and I, you were there, right? Yeah, it was us, right? Yes. Yeah, we was went. Was that Minnesota? The, it was against Minnesota. Yes. Um, I believe they lost again, but won the series. But um, listening to the album, uh, a burnt disc, yep. I think you gave it to me. And being like holy shit this is amazing yeah but my other memory is after the game walking back to the car that's at old yankee stadium and walking uh through the the walkway on the other side there was the remember the big bat yeah it was the big bat outside the big babe ruth bat 
And then there's a bay you could do like a walking tunnel, and then you could get cheaper parking. So I parked there. I drove by myself to the game. Probably spent like 35 bucks to park. And then I was leaving. As I was playing, I put my Stroke CD and my Discman, and I'm mm-hmm. feeling good about life, And even though the Yankees had lost. And I kind of pull out in front of these like Jersey bros. It was like a car filled with like like uh, Tommy Cheeseballs. Yeah, Tommy Cheeseballs. True Life dudes. Summer Share, those type of dudes. Right. And I kind of make a motion like, hey, you, you know, with my hands out, like, hey, you, you know, watch out. Yeah. And then all four of the Tommy Cheeseballs get out of the car. Oh, no. And they um, start approaching me. And I'm alone in my little fucking shitty 88 Chevrolet celebrity. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so this is it. This is how it ends. I'm just going to get beaten to death by a bunch of, like, chodes. Uh, and then just at that moment, uh, there happened to be a cop who uh, kind of walked over and they got back in their car. <sighs> so I was almost killed while listening to this album. I don't know how that goes to you challenging me, but that's an amazing story. I'm glad you didn't die. Oh, I challenge you only because of the time element that I, if you had access to this album at that time, I feel like I would have gotten it in my hands sooner than October. You... That's all I'm saying. No, that, that's fair. That's a fair point. Maybe, you know, with me, I was in Brooklyn. You were in Pearl River at the time. living at home. So it might yeah. have just been we hadn't seen each other in a while. but Or I was being a dick and I wasn't giving you a copy. I think you were being a dick. That would be if I had a guess. It's true to form. All right, here we go. Meet me in the barrio. I got to keep playing it, Bob. I'm sorry. This no, please do. Often, yeah. I just we might we playing. might play the whole song. Oh my god. So that I think this gets the title of the greatest stroke single. That was never released as a single. I mean, that's a tough title to earn, but you How might... the fuck was this not released as a single? I don't know. This is a fucking home run single. Thank you to Lizzie Goodman for naming your book this, so at least somebody might Google it and listen to it that's never yes. heard it before. Do you have that book? No, I don't read anymore because I have oh. two kids. I read... Let's be honest. It's because you live in Los Angeles. And I live in Los Angeles. Californians was, don't read. I was still reading in, in California before two kids. Now it's over. I try, I try. I try to read. But I have, like, I'm reading right now the uh, book Sticky Fingers, which is written about the publisher of Rolling Stone. It's a really good book, but I've been reading for six months. Yeah, this, well, that's what happens to me with books. Yeah. I read them for so long, I just forget that I'm reading a book, and then I just move on. Uh, anyway, so a song which in legend for The Strokes is supposedly about Courtney Love. Yes, I believe it. Trying to seduce... Courtney Love was like an Julie. omnipresent force in New York around that time. For like ill. Popping up in the game, the Neil Strauss book, mm-hmm. uh, being the subject of this song. Mm-hmm. You know, Ryan Adams is like, like, he was just around. Did you say Brian Adams? Ryan, I hate that motherfucker. Ryan with an R. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Courtney Love was just that person. So it kind of makes sense. Have you, um,. Has a girl ever told you to meet her in the bathroom? Meet me in the bathroom. Have you ever had that experience? A bathroom. I Bathroom at a bar. Maybe. No, outside a bar. Like outside a bathroom in a downstairs vestibule. I had an I had a incident. 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 Incident implies. Yeah, that's criminal. <laughs> I had a uh, encounter. <laughs> okay, well, a little let's, better. Let's change the language. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do now that I think about it. Oh, uh, this is a funny memory. Um, I invited when I was my first 
real journalism job out of college was at the Journal News, which was the paper of record in Westchester, Orange, and Rockland County, uh, outside New York City. And <laughs> that's what it says on the masthead. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. very, very sad. Very wordy. Yeah. Uh, they could use an editor. Um, and the editor probably got laid off because the whole industry is underwater. Oh, <clears throat> who buys newspapers? Anyway, uh, so my birthday came out. It must have been 2004, uh, my 24th birthday. And I had befriended a few guys at the paper, and I invited one of them uh, to come out for my birthday in the city, <clears throat> which we went somewhere. I can't remember where. Uh, but so it was a, you know, it was 24-year-olds at a birthday party. Everybody got drunk and had a good time. And then the next time I was at the office and my buddy at the time uh, was there, he said, hey, I, uh, you know, good, you know, fun party, good, you know, had a good time. Uh, I actually uh, walked in on your buddy and his girlfriend uh, in the bathroom stall, and uh, it, it wasn't pretty, he said. Oh, God. <laughs> so I don't know what you were doing, Bob. And I think I've told you about this. No, I know about this. Um, I don't know what you were doing, but he, he, he implied that what he walked in on wasn't maybe, uh, wasn't like a Skinamax film. I don't know what the fuck you were doing in there, and maybe this is the platform for you to finally share what happened. We went for the gold. We're going for the gold. You try to screw? Were you screwed? Yeah, we went for the gold. So you were, oh, so he swings the door open and you're screwing. Like with your butt cheeks maybe out or something? No, no, no. It was, I, I don't want to get into the details of this. Nothing was seen. Well, you set this up, so now you got to Well, I was asking you. I didn't know you were going to turn it around to make it my story. Only because uh, a friend of mine from work saw you fucking in a bathroom stall. All right. Now that is, that's so borderline now, slander. Well, deny or... No, unless he was peeking, Confirm. unless somebody was peeking through the slits of the stall, then we were we were not seen doing what we were doing. He implied at the time, maybe not implied, he said it outright that he walked in on a situation that it was, was a little bit it was a bathroom too much for him to deal with. I understand that it was a bathroom with multiple stalls. One of the stalls was being occupied by um, me and my girlfriend at the time. You were screwing. Things were happening in there. And um, maybe he he couldn't have seen much. I think he probably saw your spread ass cheeks. That's impossible. Because you were in an uncomfortable position to get leveraged screw. And uh, by the way, if you're new to the podcast and you think, why do they keep saying screw? That is the official nomenclature for yeah, intercourse for we're, our podcast. Because we're classy. Yes. You were screwing and he probably saw your... Chocolate starfish to, to borrow Fred Durst's line. This is not at all the way that it happened, but no, don't turn the music up on me. You just drown me out with the Strokes' most beautiful song. It's a great little. It's like a sexy song, and it's um, and it's the number one song. If maybe you only live once, if eventually toppled it. But if I was putting a Strokes song, as I would always do, on a mix for a girl, um, as I was known to do in this era, uh, it was under control. Yeah, it was a great because it's a it's totally. not exactly the type of stroke song you expect. It's a it's a perfect placement on this album as a change of pace. Yep, because uh, the album does, as great as it is, it does run the risk of sounding samey, and then this rolls around. This went on several mixes. Oh, me too. And he's crooning. He's yeah, this straight is great. Up crooning. It's great. He's got a great kind of Jim Morrison kind of vibe to him. Here. <laughs> And you think like, oh, maybe uh, the record label, uh, oh, this is a kind of an interesting, it's kind of kind of a little bit of a pop feel to it. It's a different change of pace. Maybe release it as a single. No, not a, not a single. Is, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. The record label seemed to bail on the strokes. Hot take. 
Hot take. Fiery take. I love Under Control. Me too. Um, would I put it... Well, let me, let me just circle back to Meet Me in the Bathroom one second, Bob. Would that be in your top ten stroke songs? Yeah, it would be. Top five? Mm, no. Okay. But close. Okay. No, and by the way, not an MF or to be found uh, eight songs in. But we might be there now. from my favorite strokes really oh song. i love this this, would, this was the other new song they played at the electric factory so i have oh, like really? i have like an attachment to this song okay well yeah. i get that i get that i mean i don't love this song but it's all relative because if it would have like showed up on the come down machine right i would be like holy shit this is like yeah, yeah. my favorite uh newer stroke song uh all right so not a demo no absolutely not absolutely not i, I agree with you it's not it's but it would have been one of the best songs on the newer album, one of the, the newer albums. But in this, in this track listing, it's near the bottom for me. Okay. I mean, you're wrong, but okay. What would you put in the songs that we've heard so far? Below this? Yeah, what's below it? I'd put Automatic Stop below this. I'd probably put 1251 below this. Interesting. And maybe that's it. So but you would put the still. lead single off this album... Well, I think it's established that the label didn't know what they were doing, so yeah, I would. Oh! Boom, boom. Hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take. No, honestly, please don't. Hey, Ryan Gentiles of WizKid Management, bring it on. I applied for like uh, 14 jobs. At WizKid? I, I sent them so many emails, I was like, I met him hey, at a, I met him anything. at a party once in LA, and I talked to him for hours, and only when we left did I realize who I was talking to. And I was so annoyed with myself that I didn't get to like ask him anything about the strokes. Sliding doors, bro. Sliding doors, bro. I don't know what would have happened, but... I know we hit on this with uh, Is This It, but I still feel lucky that we were in New York while this music was happening. Yes, that was very cool. Like, I imagine on a much smaller scale, it was like the feeling of being in Seattle in like 92. Yeah, it was our version of it. And like that book that I haven't read and I'll probably won't read uh, until my kids are in college. Yep. Meet me in the bathroom. Like, I'm sure I think that's the crux of what that book's about. Yeah. Like, what was that scene like? And we were there, and it was very cool. And we, I think we talked about it on the first Stroke show, but there was a really like crazy night in late 2003 where you had heard from a friend of a friend that we were going to go to a party that they were at, and we just were walking around Manhattan trying to get into this party. Now, the, the cool story would then to say we got into the nope, party. never happened. And we never even she found the party. She just stopped answering her phone, and that was the end of the night. That we was just, it. We walked around in circles. And texting was very rudimentary, so very. she probably never even looked at her phone. And nope. that, was, that was what it is. Yeah. But, like, there was that, and it was like, like you saw them many times. I, I probably saw them four, three or four times in a two-year span, mm -hmm. including a really fun 
show where the, we were maybe as drunk as the band was when we saw them at the summer stage at Central Park, yes. like touring this album. Like it was a really fun time uh, to be a rock fan and to be where we were. So I agree with you, Bob. Happy times. Happy, Happy times. Memories. And this is a great song. Yep. And I like when he gets a little crazy. Should we listen to He's him? good at that. Really yeah. Crazy? I must be thinking of a good song. He doesn't get too crazy. He very rarely gets crazy. That's a Julian thing. You know, he keeps, keeps, it, keeps it very measured. Um, so that's the penultimate track here. Bob, before yeah. we hit the final song of uh, one of our favorite albums of the aughts, Room on Fire, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Dan, when I say the word Australia, what's the first Shark thing? Attacks. I, that's not what I was. That's not the question I was going to oh, ask. Oh, what is the question? What's the first thing you were going to think about? Oh, shark attacks. Okay, I guess it was yeah, the question yeah. I was going to ask. All right, what's the second thing? Natalie Imbruglia. Third thing? The Sydney Olympics. Oh no, Kleine's <laughs> dropping. Is Kleine four? Uh, the uh, soap opera Neighbors is four. <laughs> five? What's five? Men at work. Oh man. What did Kleine do so wrong that he's not even in your top he's five He's number anymore? six, though. Oh! Kleine, Kleine's right, number six. Right smack in the middle of the top ten. It's a, big con- it's a big continent, so it's still an honor to be number six. Not bad at all. Thanks for everything, Kleine. <laughs> Bruno's back, baby. Oh, my God. This guy's swimming in it. We say he's back, but he's never left. Bruno's our most loyal sponsor. This guy really knows how to sponsor a podcast. Just dropping big bucks every month to keep the throwback pot alive. He's also dropping loads because of that email that we set up for him. Good sag. He really is. BrunoTheSponsor at gmail.com. If you're a single lady or a lady with a boyfriend who's like, doesn't really pay attention to you and you're kind of like, I want to act out. Yeah, I'd like to act out and maybe have somebody drop some loads. (laughs) Go to Bruno. He's in Canada, but you know, don't, don't Don't hold that against him. Don't hold that against him. He's still a good guy. Bruno the sponsor. Go find him. The Strokes are the best at the last track. They're one of the best. Interesting. Yeah. You think about that. I'm going to think about that. Think about that. Hooks for days. Incredible. Um, all right, I have a take, Bob. Okay. I agree with you that the Strokes, especially in these this early period, uh, the the final songs of the album are very good. However, I will say, not to be, uh, who's the guy from Pitchfork Media? Uh, Dick Face McGillicuddy. It's a very tough name. I always have Rob to give Mitchum. Credit. Rob Mitchum. Not to be Rob Mitchum here, but uh, some bands use that last track as kind of like they look at the album as a cohesive like piece of work so the final track will be something a little more contemplative or or, or just it's not they're not going for the rafters with it the strokes why i like the strokes is that they didn't give a fuck they're just like this is the 11 best like best songs right. we could write and we're just going to throw them all out there and the last song's not going to be wrapping up the album it's right. not going to be anything other than what we do best, which is like punchy, fun, like pop rock music. Well, it's that move where it's like, yeah, they, they put their best men on the field and here they are. Right. And there's none of that like master plan Oasis-esque. Like, there's no statement. Oh, you made. had this. You chose to put some statement song as your 11th track instead of this fucking great song you had in your back pocket that's now on a B-side album somewhere. You know, I would love, though. I agree with you. A... A Strokes rock opera would have been kind of fun. Well, yeah, that would have been nice. A lot of things would have been nice if the Strokes would have taken it. Um, 
because the the Strokes were wiped out by a, like Green Day and American Idiot right around this time. Like, yeah, I'd like to see the Strokes take a swing at a yeah, a bold a, a big social statement about. The president. Oh, no, I don't want that anymore. Yeah, that would have been maybe then, but not now. All right. That's the album, Bob. Before we before we wrap up the podcast, um, can you just please allow me to take ownership of my bathroom story? Oh, yeah, you deserve that. Because I feel like I was sandbagged. I feel like you sandbagged me. Okay. I set you up to tell a story and then you turned it on me. Okay, go ahead. Um, All right. I'm going to turn the floor over to you, Bob. No, 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 no. I don't want you to turn the floor over. It's yours. It's just, you know, like I have stories about you that, you know, I'm not just going to like throw out there. Of course. Especially about public sex. Yes. And like the phones you've broken while having them. I'm not going to like get into details about things like that. Okay. Lower it a little bit. I can't concentrate. I mean, I want this playing. Okay. Obviously, I want this playing while I say this. Yes. Um, So that night, it was your birthday. Yep. I had just started working at Best Week Ever. And I, I had come on the last two weeks of the season one. So my second week there, they had a big rap party for season one. And so I was still like the new guy. And I got to go to this rap party with all of these people who I considered celebrities at the this time. This is going to tie into you screwing them Yes. Up? Okay. So I get to this party. You screwed my career, Tia Carrera-Wainsworld. open bar, obviously. Sure. And there was a little John at the time had released an yeah. uh, energy drink called Crunk. What was his catchphrase? It was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. What? Right? Yeah. Okay. So um, he had released an energy drink called Crunk. So they, we had talked about it on the show. So we had a whole case of Crunk at this bar. Right. So um, at some point in the night, me and Paul Shear start drinking. Is this dr- the night of my birthday? Yes. Me and Paul Shear start drinking vodka and Crunk. And like, I am like instigating it because like I want to like get to know this guy because I just started work and I've seen Paul him on Shiro TV. Paul the best week ever guy with a gap in his team. Yes. yes. Now from the league and so many things since. I didn't watch the league. It was a bad show. But. So, Paul, if you're listening. Paul is not listening. You're very talented. So Paul and I were just drinking crunk and vodka and just getting wasted. My girlfriend meets us at the party and then we leave the party to go to your birthday party on the Upper West Side. Right. Yes. So already liquored up. Get to your party. Girlfriend and I decide, hey, let's uh, let's hit the bathroom. Meet me in the bathroom. Meet me in the bathroom. That's what she said. It was a legitimate meet mind. me in the bathroom moment. We go down to the bathroom, go into a stall, um, go for the gold. At a certain point, I don't know if anybody else came in. I guess somebody did. But at a certain point, we get the, hey, get out. Get out of here. Bouncer throws us out of the bathroom. Not the bar, though. No, just the bathroom. How but would I, they know that you were screwing? Or Your friend probably ratted me out. Fucking narc. Goddamn narc. Sex narc. Sex narc. <laughs> so, if I, I still knew him, I'd call him sex narc, but I don't anymore. Should not have been doing this. It was a disgusting bar. <laughs> but, again, liquored up. Your birthday party. Why not? We get thrown out. Uh, and so you're basically confirming what my friend said. I'm confirming it. But So I, what, are, what are you saying you were besmirched for? Well, your friend never saw anything, is what I'm saying. Oh, we were in a stall. He, he strongly insinuated he saw something. Maybe you heard something. I'm really loud. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Wait, what? Now we're getting to the good stuff. You're a loud lovemaker. I'm so. I'm just. Maybe he just walked in the. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably what happened. Most likely, that's what happened. Oh, let but, the record state that when Bob first said, "I am really loud," he said it seriously, and then immediately a, a look of anxiety washed no, over was, his face because he realized he shouldn't have said it. I was going to say, I thought it would be funny to say I'm really good, but then I thought it was funnier to say I'm really loud. So okay. that's what happened. Okay. Um, sure, Bob. But yeah, we got thrown out of the bathroom, so confirmed that I just needed to tell my side. I was very drunk. Uh, your friend didn't see anything. Got By the way, no judgment zone. No, I know. I'm not I'm not ashamed of it. It's actually, I'm happy you were screwing it's actually pretty awesome. My birthday. You, you know what happened? Guess what? We didn't finish. You know where we did finish? In the cab on the way over the Brooklyn Bridge. So it was a great night. It was a great night. Are we talking about the same girl? Same girl. No, it was a different girl. Not the one you're married to. Not the one I'm married to. This is 2003. That's what I thought. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So great night. No shame. But I just want to let you know that's how it played out. Bob, like Mabel King from What's Happening, you don't take no shit. You're going to say how you feel and you're going to let people know. No, Bob. That's almost racist, actually. (laughs) Um, all right, time to pick the. Now that that's out of the way, yeah, thank that you. That was important. It was important. Uh, time to pick the uh, Spotify, Apple Music entry for our playlist. And Bob, uh, I love all the songs on this album. Um, 
except maybe that one track that we talked about, the way it is. I think because you obviously have a really strong connection, <laughs> I would love to just throw it to you, Bob, and have you make the selection. Oh, see, I thought you were to make the selection. I think that um, since at this point the song has been really, I feel like I own the song now, and that anybody who's listening to this podcast from now on for the rest of their life, whenever they hear the song, mm -hmm. they're going to think about me getting thrown out of an Upper West Side bar um, for activities in the bathroom. It's got to be Meet Me in the Bathroom. Good choice. Thank you. That's what we have to go with. Yeah. Meet Me in the Bathroom is the selection for our playlist. You can find it on Twitter, well, on Spotify and Apple Music. Yep. But if you're looking for a shortcut to it, uh, check us out on Twitter, at ThrowbackPod. Check us out on Instagram, uh, at ThrowbackPod. If you want to reach out to us with a long-form email, uh, maybe you're, you're like our uncles or yeah, something, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, the throwback pod at Gmail. Uh, yes, it is you, the listener, that keeps the show alive and uh, keeps us motivated, Bob. We're, we're fiscal creatures. We're Americans, Bob. Yeah. Uh, if you're an ex-girlfriend in Boston who maybe is listening and you want to reconnect. Yeah, you know, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Maybe just get together. Like, for, a, hey, hey, or lunch, or maybe just like you know. More. I don't know. Hey, it's whatever you want. Restraining order is expired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, twenty-seven. 100 mile uh, <laughs> restraining order almost expired uh, hit us up at the throwback pod at gmail and what I was going to say was it is you the listener that keeps this show alive and thriving so if you want to get involved patreon.com yes. slash throwback pod you could also get that link off our twitter page uh, and donate whatever you can whether it's one dollar two dollars six dollars twelve dollars I don't know I don't know be a sponsor do and something speaking of which we have to do a little bit of Housekeeping, don't we, Bob? We have to oh, get yeah, a we have to tell GFYs some people. Out there, right? We have to tell a couple of people to go fuck themselves for supporting us. So let's do that. It's a weird thing to do because they are really keeping They want it. The people alive. want it, Bob. So let's give the people what they want. That's I mean, what we do. I mean, does Ronan Murphy really want me to tell him to go fuck himself? I guess so. Apparently he does. And I know for a fact. Hey, Richard Wallwork, are you fucking kidding me? Go fuck yourself. And oh, yes. Colin Kingren. There's He's, no way that guy's not British. Yeah, you must be of non-American descent. And, you know, I don't care either way, because when I think about you, all I can think of is, go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself. All right, that's it. We'll be back uh, in two weeks with more Throwback Podcasts. Thank you for listening. And to everyone listening, go fuck yourself. <laughs>